ask you to turn to Philippians 2. Every year, you know, we read this twice a year, of course, today, and we'll read it again on Good Friday. When we read the uh, first, the Passion of Christ, the Gospel we read today, not Philippians 2. We read Philippians 2 today, but not on Friday. And as we reflect on this, to think about all that Christ did for us. You know, sometimes it just completely blows my mind. Every time I think about what he did for someone like me, again and again and again, what he did, he did for someone like me, he did for someone like you. And each of us, sometimes we're on the one side of the crowd singing Hosea, praise God, you're glorious and wonderful, Lord. And then as soon as things don't go our way or people aren't nice to us or you know, someone snubs me or something bad happens and I'm on the other side saying, Lord, why'd you do this to me? Lord, you know, I'm tired of this, da, da, da. And the fickleness of each of us. But the one thing we know for sure, that though we are fickle, God is not. He loves us unbelievably and is faithful to us unbelievably. And that's all contained in this Philippians 2. Let's go and verse with, start verse 6 in Philippians 2. And again, my Bible has broken apart <laughs> to write that page because it's the one I go to more than any other passage, I think, in the Bible, and especially when it comes to us. And it begins, though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave being born in the likeness of men. Now think about that reality. He who is God, the creator of the whole universe, who the universe cannot contain, loved you and me enough that he became one of us. You know, there's a great song by Chris Rice, is his name, and it's called Welcome to Our World. And it's about inviting to God how we cry and we yearn for God. And then the God of the universe says, wrap our fragile flesh around you. That God, who the universe cannot contain, got wrapped in our flesh, our sinful flesh. He allowed himself to be touched by us. He allowed himself to become us. The God of the universe. Never forget when I was in Epworth, Iowa. The only thing in Epworth, Iowa... <laughs> was our seminary for the SVD fathers. I used to study for the SVD. And right across from the seminary was a pig farm. And all around across from the pig farm and all the way around was cornfields everywhere, huh? And so you'd wake up in the morning, you'd smell pig manure, which is a great smell. <laughs> oh, my. And you'd sit there and uh, just take a whiff in the morning and all this stuff in Iowa. But the greatest thing about being in Iowa, i got to say, is the night. And you'd look up and there's nothing around. And you'd see the millions and millions of stars up there, huh? And to think about, each of the stars are bigger than our sun, some of them. huh? They're bigger than our sun. The sun is just the closest star. I remember one day going out and I'm just looking up and just was so caught up into the grandeur of God. How God is beyond all that everything he's way beyond all you know and this is just one galaxy and how many galaxies are there huh? oh no how many well, it's unbelievable and then god is beyond all that and yet 
He became one of us. And that's what Philippians 2 begins with. Though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God something we grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself. Now, he could have came to man and become just, you know, a great king and lorded it all over us, but what does he do? He became a slave to you and a slave to me. You know, C.S. Lewis says, when God created man, he knew he was creating the parasite that would kill him. That before he ever created us, he knew that when he created us, that we would sin against him, and we would not only sin against him, we would kill him. But he still created us. Before you and I were born, he knew that we would sin against him, sometimes gladly. But he still created you. He still created me. The audacity of the humility of our God to humble himself before us who he created. How can you even begin to think that God is not a God of love when the God of the whole universe humbled himself before each of us? He emptied himself and took a form of a slave. It's, a, it's called the Kenotic, or Kenotic Passage. It's the mystery of how does God empty himself out. That's the mystery in the love of the love of God. Because love, of course, you cannot love somebody unless you're willing to give yourself away. God could not love us unless he is willing to give himself away for us. And that's what the cross is about, huh? Total self-giving. Nothing else, nothing else to give you. Verse 7, verse 7b, really. He was known to be of human estate, and it was thus that he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on the cross. And again, what we've got to realize is the cross is the most inhumane way of killing somebody. Again, as we'll talk about on Wednesday night, huh? Jesus was totally naked on the cross. He did not have a loincloth on. And so Jesus was obedient. How much more then? Think about it. If Jesus, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, became obedient to a man, Pilate, how can we struggle with obedience? How come we don't want to be obedient to anybody except me? And we even do that with our, with our will with God, huh? Well, this is what God's telling me. Is it really? How are we obedient? You know, to take my will and submit it under somebody else's. And when I struggle with that, think about the God of the universe who did that for me. He was obedient. The God who created all things and beyond all things became obedient to a man, not even a good man. Pilate, the high priest. And thus, in becoming obedient to them, he became obedient to his father. But the obedience to his father came through being obedient to Pilate. Because he could have looked at Pilate and said, okay, cease to exist. Okay, let's stop this. Let's stop. I think I've had enough. He was God. But he became obedient. And it was thus, okay, and because of this, because of his obedience, because of his death, because of his emptying himself out, huh? because of this, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name. And again, as we talked before, Jesus. And his name wasn't Jesus in the Bible. Well, that's the way we translate it now. But what was his name? Yeshua. Yeshua. And because of Yeshua's name, Every knee must bend in the heavens and on the earth and under the earth. 
and every tongue proclaimed the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord. I want you to think about the image of that. When God humbled himself before us on the cross, now the time will come when each of us must humble ourselves before him. And at the name of Yeshua, at the name of Jesus, every knee must bend. Now again, the reality is every knee will bend. At the end of time, when Christ comes back, every knee will bend. It's amazing. I was, I've been reading uh, The Exorcist, the, uh, the, the uh, what is it called? The uh, Journal of an Exorcist or something from the Roman Exorcist in Rome. You know, his own accounts of the exorcisms he's done throughout the last 37 years. And even when he's going and he's... Uh, going to exercise a demon from a possessed person, what he starts to do is he reads this hymn. And as he reads this hymn of Philippians 2, he said, without fail, every single time, when he cries out, every knee shall bend, even the possessed person, without fail, falls on his knees because every knee shall bend at the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bend at the name of Jesus, and at the end of time, some people will gladly fall on their knees, and some the angels of heaven will take and make them fall on their knees, but every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus Christ. And if every knee shall bow at the Lord, the God of the universe name, then we gotta gladly gladly bend our name to him every day. You know, it used to be in the church, every time you said the name Jesus, what happened? You bowed your head. Every time. I remember as a kid in Sister Dolores' class in first grade, Sister Dolores would get up there, and she would sit there and go through and say, Jesus, and we'd all hurry up and bow our heads. And that, we did this all the time. And she'd go, Jesus, and we'd all bow our heads. And that was a great custom. And that was an anticipation of the time that every knee shall bend. When I can bow my head at the name of Yeshua, at the name of Jesus, then that trains me into knowing that when my God's name is spoken, I need to bow down in adoration. And if I can't just sit there and genuflect at him before him at that moment, then I can at least bow my head in adoration to the God who loved me and gave his life for me. We need to be people who proclaim with our lives every day to the people who like us, the people who don't, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the way we proclaim that is by being obedient to him every moment of my life, to take my will and totally put it into submission to his. You know, I was listening to, uh, you know, the PBS guy, <laughs> One of the things, I listen to PBS a lot, and the one guy is a Jewish guy, and he's on every Saturday and Sunday. If anybody listens to PBS, anyway, it's sometimes really good to watch. I listen to PBS. Hey, a lot of classical music. But anyway, this one guy from Wisconsin, um, Harrison Keeler, is that, yeah, did we talk about this already? Yeah? Oh, so anyway, well, oh, it was Monday, I think I talked about it. But anyway, he was sitting there talking about the reality that he believes he's Jewish, but he says, and he just made it as an aside, that everybody talks about believing, but he really doesn't believe most people really believe. We hope to believe, huh? 
we really think about it, but how many people are totally have surrendered their lives to God and their daily life? And so that's the question I want to ask you. In reality, have you totally yet surrendered your life to the Lordship of Christ who humbled himself before you and became your slave? Have you yet totally, totally holding nothing back, saying, Lord, I want you to be Lord of every single part of me. I want you to be Lord of my physical life, of my spiritual life, of my psychological life, of my work life, of my sexual life, of my thought life. Jesus, I don't want anything in me not to be totally immersed under your lordship. I want everything in me. If there's nothing inside of me that is not totally immersed, then Jesus Christ today, for the rest of eternity, I totally surrender every single part of my life to your lordship. That my whole being may bow at your name. Because remember, as we read in Revelations, we'll talk about Monday night, about Revelation and how the mass, the whole book of Revelation is nothing but one big mass. That what they do at the mass in heaven, which goes on eternally, is they take their crowns and they fall on the feet of Christ, face down, forever and ever and ever. Way too many Catholics only want to worship Christ on Sunday for an hour and then go through the motions of being a good person the rest of the week. That is not what the Holy Week or being a disciple of Jesus is about. It's about our whole being every part of our being, every ounce of our will under the Lordship of God, Jesus Christ. Is that where you're at today? And if it's good, if it's there, good, you're better than me. I still struggle, all those struggles, struggle, struggle, not fully, completely putting myself into the Lordship of Jesus. And first we've got to acknowledge that. But today as we begin this holiest of weeks, Let's totally begin it under the lordship of him who loved me and gave his life for me. You got it? You get it? Good. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen.